1: It's time for Grilling at the Green. Join Jeff Tracy as he explores the golfing lifestyle and tries to keep it in the short grass for the hackers, new sweepers, and turf
0: spankers. Here's Jeff.
1: Just open up the door and take
2: good time Tomorrow's gonna be better than
0: This they. is an encore. Hey everybody, welcome to Grilling at the Green. I'm JT here in the Portland, Oregon area and we also have stations in Texas, Oklahoma, and Pennsylvania. How about that? Along with the Golf News Net. Uh, this segment of Grilling at the Green is brought to you by Painted Hills Natural Beef. Beef the way nature intended. It's good stuff, I can tell you that. I've been uh, affiliated with them for a long time. Uh, go to PaintedHillsNaturalBeef.com. Well, if you ever followed the PGA uh, in any print form, whether that's digital or actual with newspaper and ink on your hands, you've probably read my guest uh, articles. Uh, Beth Ann Nichols has graciously joined us today. Beth Ann writes for Golf Week in USA Today. She's a former collegiate golfer down at Florida Southern, and she's also the first uh, female president of the Golf Writers Association. So, yay, golf clap! <laughs> thank you, thank you. <laughs> so let's let's give a little history lesson here to our to our listeners. Did you start as a kid playing golf with the family, or is it something you picked up along the way?
2: I did start as a kid, uh, actually just down the road from where I live at our local Muni. Uh, they had a, a junior league in the summer that cost 50 cents to play, <laughs> 50 cents when I was uh, like nine or 10, and then when you graduated to 18 holes, it was a dollar, <laughs> I know big money, big money, but, um, but that was my introduction, a uh, little 50 cent leg. And, um, my, my father, both my parents played, my mom actually has two hole in ones, which is really annoying that she has two aces and I have yet to have one, but, um, but, but i you know, it's just a tremendous bonding experience with my, my parents and, and, and I'm an only child. So, uh, you know, it's the best thing about golf is it brings all the generations together.
0: Yeah, that's true. That's true. So w- when you played in college, did you think about going on the tour? Or did you say, no, I'm just going to go be a writer?
2: Oh, no, I knew I wasn't good enough for the tour. <laughs> that, w- that was very obvious. But yeah. uh, but no, I mean, I fell in love with, with writing, with sports writing in college. And uh, yeah. I, I didn't think it was possible to work in a magazine, at a golf magazine uh, in your 20s. I thought you had to be like 40 before you could do that. Right. And, uh, and one of my professors just happened to see an advertisement for an entry level position at Golf Week, which had never occurred to me that there were entry level positions at these publications. But, uh, of course, I, I grew up reading the scoreboard section of Golf Week because, you know, that was before all the scores were online and live scoring. And, you know, you look right. You open up the magazine to see what everybody shot, you know. So. Um, so then, yeah, I started at Golf Week right after I graduated and started putting those very same scoreboard sections together. <laughs>
0: It happens that way. I I started in um, a horse pasture. So I lived on a farm and we had horses and cattle and I found an old set of clubs in what we call the woodshed. Um, I spent other time in the woodshed, too, as you might imagine, but not playing golf. (laughs) Um, And uh, they were horrible. I mean, they were some of them were broken and, you know, Uh, they were wood and some of the string going up to the hosel was frayed and it was, you know, one of the screws was out of the face, but Uh. I thought it was fun. And I, (laughs) that that was a long time ago. So when you first went to golf week, was it a little ominous for you to walk through the door for the first time?
2: Oh, a hundred percent. Yes. I I remember, I remember my first interview like it was yesterday actually. (laughs) Ah, uh, very much so. Um, you know, it was to you know to meet people that you've been reading their bylines and you know you, you, that ha- people that have so much golf knowledge, so much history in the game. You know, it was it was definitely humbling, and uh, and I've just been so fortunate to work with some tremendous writers over the years, and and I have a lot of mentors that you know weren't even you know necessarily on our staff, but work for other publications as well. You know, it's a it's a it's a close industry and 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 we're competitive but but people like to help each other too.
0: Right. What when you walked into the press room at a tournament for the first time, what was that like? I remember when I did it the first time I was like, holy crap.
2: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh you know, I think I think probably my most outstanding memory there would be the first time I walked into the press room at a major championship because it really felt big. Right. And and I definitely had had that moment of uh wow, I don't, I, you know, I only knew a handful of players on tour and, and you know, I'd only really talked to a handful of players and it was, it was definitely overwhelming. I felt definitely, um, over my skis, <laughs> but, <laughs> but it was, it was, you know, it, and I, and I, I would say I felt that way the same time I went to a PGA tour event for the first time. And that was mostly because I was the only woman in the room. More yeah. than but, but I had that same feeling again, you know, everybody in the room knows more than me. I don't know that many players, you know, so you, you kind of go through these, you know, these moments at various stages in your career and it's, it's good for you. It's a good challenge.
0: Well, if you walked into a PGA tour and there was Dan Jenkins or John Hawkins or Jeff Roode, or I don't know what time frame you did that in, but you're looking around and go, I read those guys every week. You know, oh, like,
2: yes, a hundred percent. I mean, to see, to see Rick Riley. I mean, when yes. I was growing up, always going to the back page first to read his column in Sports Illustrated. You know, uh, yeah, a hundred percent. And Dan Jenkins, as you say, you know, so many, so many books, <laughs> so many <laughs> amazing lines, and and I think one of the things that I I learned early on, you know, as I think about both of those writers and how funny they are, and and. And I think to myself, you know, one of the, some of the best advice I ever got was not to try to, try to be someone you're not. So, you know, I, I definitely admire a, a a lot of writers and I take a lot of things from them. I've learned so much, but I knew not to try to be Rick Riley.
0: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, uh, that, that's, I think some really sage advice, you know, um, <laughs> uh, I got in trouble when I was in college, I worked for a newspaper and, uh, I wrote uh, music reviews. I wrote news too, but I wrote music and uh, arts stuff. And I wrote a column about um, meatloaf's music, uh, the meatloaf "Bad out of hell album. Okay. Mm -hmm. That was a long time ago, but they, it was done. I turned it in and I went to Arizona on an assignment and I came back and I was almost kicked out of school and I didn't know why. well, the headline that my friend/slash boss put on the article in the paper, I'll tell you about it off the air, but it was <laughs> pr- pretty, pretty eye-grabbing, you know, Uh-oh, like that. Yeah. And uh, all of a sudden, uh, some of the people in the other departments were on my, trying to get my head. So, anyway, um, uh, yeah, you just do what you do. That's all.
1: <laughs>
0: so, um, and we're going to talk about this uh, pretty good lick here today, Beth Hand, But, you know, we were going to do this last week and, and you graciously said, hey, can we postpone and not a problem? It was all the LIV stuff. And that seems to be what do I want to say? Overflowing now into the LPGA picture. Um, what is your take on it?
2: I'm worried. I think that's the first. Uh way to sum it up. (laughs) Uh, You know, I, 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 the PGA tour and the LPGA are, are, are drastically different in terms of depth, both talent wise and money wise. And so, you know, when you, when you look at the fact that should 48 players move over to to a rival league, or even, you know, e- even if people say, well, these two leagues can, can coexist. I don't really see how that's possible if there are 14 events, you know, and, and the top almost 50 players in the world go <laughs> play 14 other events. They only play 20 events a year, you know, right. so somewhere in the low 20s. So it doesn't leave much besides the majors and, and, and they're done. So, uh, so I am concerned because Greg Norman has said 100% drop the mic. We want a live women's league. And, and the LPGA commissioner has responded by saying that she will take the phone call. If Liv calls, she would, she would like to have a conversation, which of course is a very different tactic than what the PGA tour did. Right. But LPGA players want her to have that conversation. So, you know, they, they, they're, and a lot of players are very much interested in in seeing what Liv has to offer.
0: I, you know, I don't doubt it. Um, when some well the headline last night and this morning was tiger turned down between 700 and 800 million dollars. Mm-hmm. He's one guy that probably doesn't need the extra scratch but you know <laughs> he's doing right. okay. But that's a lot of money when you get to um, waving it around in front of people. We're going to take a break here on Grilling at the Green. Bethann Nichols from Golf Week in USA today will and I will be back shortly. Please stay with us. Hi everybody, it's JT and this is a special version of Grilling at the Green. Grilling at the Green is brought to you in part by Painted Hills Natural Beef, beef you can be proud to serve your family and friends. That's Painted Hills Natural Beef. This is an encore. Welcome back to Grilling at the Green here in Portland. Uh-huh. Here in Portland, I can't talk today for some reason. Are on uh AM860 the answer, also Golf News Net, K S E Y in Texas, and another list like that. If you want to find us on Facebook, it's really easy. Grilling at the Green, same with Twitter. Uh, and you can email us info at grilling at the dot net if you want to. There's God, we got a million platforms and a million email addresses anymore. It was a lot simpler when we had one. You know? <laughs> so, <laughs> well. You've seen Beth Ann, of course, in Golf Week in USA Today, but she's also written for Yahoo Sports, the Miami Herald, the Detroit Free Press, Fox Sports, Charlotte Observer. The list goes on and on, and that's because she's a very uh, knowledgeable and excellent writer. We were talking about Live Golf, Beth Ann, before we went to the break. Uh, I'm not going to slam anybody one way or the other, but, but Greg does not have the best reputation. In the industry for things, he's kind of uh, he likes to stir things up. We, I've watched him do that for 30 plus years. I mean, you know, poking the bear, as they say. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I, you know, I don't know if he's just got a chip on his shoulder or what. I don't know. I don't know the man. I've never interviewed him, I've never talked to him, but I've seen him. And uh, I, I personally, and it's my show, so I guess I can say what I want. I don't I I don't see this coming out well for either the guys or the ladies going down the road. I think it's a short term little hoopla. And um, I think the sponsors, not the corporate sponsors, but the people underwriting it will get bored eventually. And they do that. uh, And then they leave and they say, no, we're not doing this anymore. We're going to go over here and, you know, do butterfly racing or something. So. That's my thoughts. What are your what's your long term look at this?
2: Yeah, I think that's especially for women's golf. That is probably the, the the biggest concern because. You know, the LPGA, as I said earlier, doesn't have, you know, millions and millions of dollars to throw at players to convince them to stay. Right. And, you know, they also don't have that depth. And so if you lose the, the to, almost the top 50 players in the world and. And, and now, you know, the LPGA becomes a shell of what it once was, perhaps even goes under. I, I don't know what, what ultimately would happen, but certainly they would be playing for a lot less money. You, you look at, you know, if they get bored, as you say, in five years and pull the plug, what's left? You know, the PGA Tour is not going to cease to exist. But I do worry about that for the LPGA, which is the longest continuous running women's sports organization in the country, right? Two years, and that all that history would would go down the drain. I mean that that is concerning. Yes, they could rebuild, but but you don't want to see. Look, the women's golf is in a wonderful place right now in terms of momentum. All the major championships putting in a tremendous amount of money into their purses, you know, and. And so it, it seems like this could be knocked off the off the train track really easily.
0: My first thought when Liv came out and went after the guys, my first thought was the LPGA is gonna benefit from this as far as uh TV viewership for tournaments, potential sponsors, corporate sponsors. I've been around enough of them. They do not like um drama and trauma. And we've seen that before. We've seen it with uh, players on both tours. I just, that was my first gut reaction was, you know, this could be great for women's golf because it could get you better TV slots. Um, the money has increased. Um, I think Mike Juan has uh, over at USGA, but when he was commissioner, he worked really hard and I think got things rolling. Um, correct me if I'm wrong. Um, you, you know, more on the inside than I do, but I thought you, like you just said, women's golf has really moved up the ladder, getting more recognition, getting more corporate sponsors. And then comes this, uh, silver haired Australian dude making promises, you know, and, uh, I'm like, Oh, I don't like this. So that's just me.
2: Yeah. And, and you know what? what i also see potentially happening is you know the lpga you know players fans uh, personally i have been wanting a a mixed event for a long time to come back on the schedule and the jc Penney classic was the first tournament i went to as a kid it was so much fun i watched tiger and kelly keeney play play as partners and and Davis love the third and Beth Daniel and it just, just so, so such a great field, so much fun. And we haven't had that since the nineties. <laughs> so, yeah. so, you know, and what the point I'm getting to here is if, if live does create this women's league, it's very easy to imagine men and women playing on the same golf course. Maybe the the women are in the morning and the men are in the afternoon. Maybe they're alternating groups, one group of four women, then a group of four men, you know, b- back and forth. You could see them mixing together. There are all kinds of options that they could do with having only 48 men and 48 women. And and, and that product could be really interesting and, and, and really exciting and, and in many ways what we've been waiting for for a long time. But it's just a shame that it's coming this way. Yeah. In terms of what it could potentially, the damage it could do to both tours.
0: Yeah, I. You know, I thought about that. I read. I read your stuff quite often. Um, Thank you. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Well. Yeah. uh, Well deserved uh, on your part, but I I thought about that and you mentioned it. I think the other day it's like you know they could put together. Between the PGA and the LPGA, they could put together four events, have a little mini challenge, kind of like a Ryder Cup type thing, but combine teams. Um, th- you know, you, they could get really creative, make it a made for television event, a lot of fun, some pro ams, you, you know, uh, <coughs> excuse me, get a little like they do out at Reno. Um, at Lake Tahoe, you know, you got some celebrities mixed in there and that type of thing. People love that stuff. They really do the the, the, uh, you know, on the course gallery, but then the people, um, at home watching, they really enjoy it. But I, um uh, I don't know if they're going to watch it if it's in uh, Morocco, you know, I don't know.
2: Well, and the, well, that's the interesting thing too. I mean, if you know if this is going to be a global tour, and and in the women's game, you know the money is in Asian TV rights. So it would right. be end of them to have mixed events in men's and men's women's fields. You know, running at the same course at the same time in a place like South Korea or Japan or or Thailand. So uh, so that you know, I <laughs> they are going global for a reason.
0: Yeah, they are. Uh, we're going to take a break, and Beth Ann and I will be back in just a minute here on Grilling at the Green. Please stay with us. Hey, it's JT, and this part of Grilling at the Green is brought to you in part by Ben Hogan Golf. Check them out online at benhogangolf.com. Mm-hmm. This is an encore. Welcome back to Grilling at the Green. Here um, I'm JT. Did you know that already? Sure. Uh, I'm talking with Beth Ann Nichols today from Golf Week in USA Today. Again, like to thank the folks at Painted Hills Natural Beef, Beef the way nature intended, and uh, that's it. It's good stuff. So let's get off LIV, or I just call it Fifty Four Golf because of the way the Roman numerals are there. I don't. I don't know. I don't even know what it really stands for. I don't know if anybody actually knows.
2: The 54, it's like it's like um like the perfect round of golf, 54.
0: Never yeah. to be attained. Yeah, yeah,
2: <laughs> never to be attained, right.
0: Yeah. <laughs> well, I I guess the uh, or, well they have one golf course in North Korea and I guess uh whatever his name is, uh Kim Jong-un or Kim Jong-il, which, whichever Kim Jong it is right now, um uh, his 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 reps uh, claimed that he shot a uh, uh, an 18 and then they said they got challenged on and they said yeah we're right we checked the score he shot a 24 you know I was <laughs> so like okay uh, over the years since you've been covering the LPGA tour Bethann, what what do you think is the biggest thing that has happened and you've covered it for a while now so you've You've seen a lot.
2: Uh, the biggest thing that's happened is, is Sari Pak, and yeah, Sari winning the, the US women's open in 1998 that, that kicked off a firestorm of female golfers, not only in South Korea, but throughout all of Asia. And it, it totally changed the face of women's golf. And, uh, you know, and as a result, the women's game has never been deeper in, in its history. I mean, it, it is, it is. The LPGA has been a global tour, you know, for a long time now. And, and, and certainly ahead of the men in that regard. And, you know, they're rock stars. Hanako Shibuno is a bona fide rock star in Japan. And Ivy Azato was before her. Uh, The fan clubs in South Korea are enormous. And when you're, when you're on the ground watching an event in South Korea, like I was watching the, the international crown, which of course is a team event and South Korea happened to win, but the screams were, it was like a rock concert. It was so high pitched and loud. And I'm like, I'm on a golf course right now. Like it, it's, it's, it's unlike anything that you'd see in the United States. So uh, that certainly has been uh, the biggest difference in, you know, in my 20 years.
0: Over that time uh, LPGA tour events have garnered more you know more media attention to a degree last few years, and especially since the the South Korean wave started coming in. But I think they could get more. They should get more prime time and and more just general coverage. Um, if you follow any of the social media stuff, which I know you do, you you you, you see and hear a lot of that on there. But I want to get your take because you're right in the fight all the time.
2: Oh, a hundred percent. I think that that's true for women's sports in general, you know, just have a very, very small slice of the pie. And, you know, the, this it's kind of like the chicken or the egg, you know, the, the frustration that there aren't more people tuning in, but then, well, if it's not being shown on network TV, you know, and, and, and people aren't investing in covering out to cover the sport and write about it and, and deliver it to people's homes, then, then, then how are people ever going to know how good the product really is. So, you know, it it does take some investment. And I think, you know, another thing that's it, we've talked about purses earlier, but, you know, of course the AIG women's British Open is at Muirfield this week. And, and that, that is, I mean, we, we can't talk enough about the importance of venues. So, you know, women being able to play Augusta national for the first time, you know, they're going to Pebble Beach for the first time next year for the US Women's Open. Right. Yeah. You know, the Olympic Club. All all these golf courses, people tune in to see the golf course and then you know stumble upon how great the product really is. And there are a lot of misconceptions about women's golf. And uh and you know, if you you, you actually, as you know, get on if you're on the ground and you see it up close and in person you know most people are blown away by by the quality of golf and and the power as well so you know i think i think that you know that train of of getting on iconic venues that are household names because the lpga doesn't have a tiger woods michelle we did not become tiger woods unfortunately right. Right. and michelle we is now essentially retired so you know without having a household name the course you know, for these big venues, has to be the
0: household name. I think Nellie Korda could become that household name if, uh, if the golfing gods continue to smile upon her, mm. and and the press gods continue to smile upon her. Um, you look in her eye, and I and I just look, at it and she's like a killer, you know, mm-hmm. and not in a bad way, you know, but right. just is she. So focused uh, like that, it's like, yeah, she could do this. I mean, it's not that anybody else couldn't do it either. But just looking at her and watching her play, uh, you know, she had a little injury there a while back, and she's still uh, battling that once in a while. But uh, she's got the length. She's got the grace. She's got the short game. I mean, she could. She could. I'm rooting for her. Put it that uh, way. she
2: absolutely could and not to mention an amazing family pedigree and history and oh, you God, know yeah. when you look at you know her brother Sebastian and her sister Jessica and both of her parents obviously were tennis players peter's a grand slam champion i mean the whole story all together you know should make her very marketable to the to the broader sports landscape
0: over those 20 years that you've been covering it is there uh a big change as far as besides venues and tournaments and that, but actually in the management and going forward uh, of the LPGA, um, you know when they started it seventy odd years ago, uh, it was Kathy Whitworth and and those guys and they did that, but they had to keep up with the times too. And then you got commissioners coming in and doing that. So uh, give us your overview on um, how that's been going the last, well, since you started.
2: Well, you know, I, I I pretty much came in full time uh, around the same time as Carolyn Bivens and that was uh, a disaster. And (laughs) so, uh, you know, as, as the players basically demanded that, you know they get a new commissioner uh, as everything was going in the wrong direction at the same time as there was, as an economic recession and the LPGA was you know losing many many tournaments and the Asian TV money that I mentioned earlier and the Asian schedule is really what kept the LPGA afloat. Mike Wan comes in and does a tremendous job riding the ship, and I think Mike Wan's biggest contribution to the women's game was adding basically these tremendous partnerships with the PGA of America and and the RNA. And now mm-hmm. you know the, the majors, you know, aren't just relying on one sole sponsor, but now all the major governing bodies have bought in, which is which is how they're not only increasing purses, but also getting to these amazing venues. Because sure. If you want to host a, an open championship at Mirrorfield, you need the, the women's opener going, is going to be yeah. there as well. You know, if you want to host a PGA, the KPMG women's PGA is going to be there as well and on down the line. And that that's really important.
0: Here's our uh, buddy Bruce Furman with his golf tip of the week.
1: Today's tip, I'm going to talk about the differences in your iron swing and your driver swing. Fortunately, in golf, we have 14 clubs and, and we only need to learn one swing, but we have to adapt that swing to the different clubs. And when we're hitting an iron, we're going to make a descending blow, meaning we're going to hit the ball, then the ground. And when we hit a driver, we're making more of a level and ascending blow. So when you're hitting an iron, you want to play the ball a little more in the middle of your stance. When you take a practice swing, you want to try to brush the ground in front of where that imaginary ball is so that your low point is in front of the ball and not not behind the ball. Tour Pro's low point is actually two or three inches in front of the ball. Now, they, they do strike the ball and then the divots kind of happens right at the same time, but, but you've got to Hit the ball and take a divot or brush the ground with an iron to get the ball to hit in the middle of the face and get the, the distance you want and then of course with a driver's swing it's the opposite we want to take a wide stance and play the ball forward we want to lean slightly away from the target so you feel like you're a little more uphill because we want to make more of a level or an ascending blow hit up on the ball and When you take a practice swing and when you hit your real swing, you want to make an air swing. So that means you can ground the club behind the ball at the start. But when you swing through, don't even touch the grass. Just swing above the grass. Don't ever hit the grass or the ground because you don't want to hit down on your driver. Hit down on your irons. Don't hit down on your driver.
0: Thank you, Bruce. We appreciate that. You can find out more about Bruce if you go to LangdonFarms.com, click on Instruction. There he is. He's that silver-haired devil on the drop down there, and and, uh, he is the director of instruction down there at Langdon Farms. Do that. Bethann Nichols from Golf Week and USA Today, and I will be back in just a couple minutes. Don't go away. Hi, everybody. It's JT, and this is a special version of Grilling at the Green. Grilling at the Green is brought to you in part by Painted Hills Natural Beef. Beef you can be proud to serve your family and friends. That's Painted Hills Natural Beef. This is an encore. Welcome back here to Grilling at the Green. I'm JT, along with Beth Ann Nichols. Uh, You, if you read any of the golf publications uh, like Golf Week uh, or Golf sections in USA Today or Yahoo Sports or any of those, um, in a lot of papers around the country. That is Beth Ann's column right there. And, um, she does a really good job. And, uh, so, you. well, yeah, you do. Uh, and I, I'm not saying that just because you're the guest. I've been reading your stuff for years. So I, I like that. Um, is there something that you from standing kind of, as reporters and stuff, we kind of have one foot in the circle and one foot out of the circle at times, Mm. you know, and is there something that you see that you would, that you could say, Hey, LPGA or even PGA tour, maybe if you did this, things would be better. Cause you see things that other people don't see.
2: Hmm. That's a good, that's a good question. You know, I, I think the LPGA, something I had been calling for and, and wanting was, was more stats because it, it's really hard to explain how good these women are without having numbers. When, whenever you listen to, you know, any kind of golf commentary or you're just listening to the television coverage, you know, on the men's side, you get inundated with stats, you know, right. and it's all that minutia that really paints the picture of why this player is struggling or why this player is succeeding. And, uh, and the women's side, there's really not a lot of context to, to give people back at home because all we can see is the end result in many cases are very rudimentary numbers. And so the LPGA has taken a, a, a big step in that because statistics data is is such a huge mm-hmm. gap. There's such a huge gap between men's and women's sports in general. And I think that the LPGA needs to continue to uh, to explore that in terms of finding more ways to to make that um, it's, it's, it's in its infant stages. So not of it's not all of it's reliable yet. It's not available to the public. I I really think that that needs to be a a huge point of emphasis that they keep looking at. Um, And also, you know, Marketing. There's no marketing department at the LPGA, so yeah, you know they're they're finally starting to uh, to invest in that. You know they need to invest in that area of of their team. I think their communications team more, uh, and 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 they're starting to do that.
0: Marketing is important. I mean, you can't talk to somebody at the the tour, the PGA tour, that marketing or. Sponsorship contractual obligations don't come into the conversation. I mean, I've done that okay Mm -hmm. at the LPGA. It's like, yeah, you can talk to Bob over here, (laughs) you know, that type of thing. So, I, I would like to see it. I know that, like in Portland, here we've got the Portland Classic coming up in September. That the people that run it really try to get behind it, but. Sometimes even the guys that like for courtesy cars or whatever, they're not familiar with the LPGA, mm. you know, and and, and if you had those stats like you were talking about, I mean, how and this is an honest question because I don't know. Did shot link come around at the same time on both tours or was it on the PGA tour? prior
2: there is no shot link on the lpga so the lpga (laughs) the way they gather stats is by paying caddies so that's why the the information's not as reliable as you'd want it to be because the caddy's telling you how long the putt was and yeah you know how long the second shot was i mean there's 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 no shot link the shot link is extraordinarily expensive so you know, but, you know, they do have a better system on the KLPGA, it seems like, than what they do. That's the Korean LPGA. Right. Um, it's not shot linked. It seems to be a cheaper version. But, um, but, anyways, you know, I, there's just a lot. It all usually comes down to money, right? And that the size yeah. of the staff, every, everything comes down to money. But, but I, I mean, you know, you go to an event sometimes. You drive to the golf course and from the moment you got in the car at the airport and you arrived at the golf course, you don't see anything about the event. Like, is this event even going on until you get to the gate? And it's like, wow. Like, you know, (laughs) sometimes you, you just wonder how much foot traffic is going on in terms of getting the community excited and involved and knowing what's happening. There's gotta be a grassroots element to this too.
0: Uh, (laughs) yeah, because I, I came out of a different, World, uh, media world to uh, when I got and uh, finally got involved with golf, and it was the horse world and the rodeo world and all that. All right, yeah. you couldn't go into a town that there wasn't posters, banners, the radio, the local radio, local TV wasn't all over one of these PRCA events. I mean, it was just. Like that. Um, we are out of time on the regular show, but Beth Ann has uh, graciously decided to, uh, with me twisting her arm, uh, to stick around for the after hours, which you can only hear on the podcast version. But Beth Ann, thank you very much. Thank you. Thank you. It's been a lot of fun and a real pleasure to meet you. We will be back uh, next week with another edition of Grilling at the Green. Thank you. Take care, everybody. Grilling at the
1: Green is produced by JTSD Productions, LLC, in association with Salem Media Group, All Rights Reserve.